Welcome to the Women Who Code podcast. And then the influence of the tech is that my son is really into learning Scratch right now, and they're just naturally inclined to go in that direction. I give them a little bit of guidance, but then they're just like, I want to do tech (laughs) or I want to learn programming because they see you as, you know, doing it yourself. So they almost is like a positive role model in that situation. It's time for Women Who Code Conversations, a segment to hear from top technology professionals sitting down with a Women Who Code member to discuss real world experiences in the industry. Welcome to the Women Who Code podcast. I'm Natalia Days, the Senior Director of Communications and Marketing with Women Who Code. And I am very excited uh, to be having a conversation with a group of diverse, exceptional technologists who also just happen to be parents too. So uh, we're going to be talking about working, career, and parenthood. And I'm super excited about that. I'll get started with introducing our guests. Up first, we have Odette Nemes, who is a queer woman who migrated to the United States from Puerto Rico. She has dedicated her career to addressing racial and gender inequity by building and managing programs that inspire people to reach their full potential. She's proud to be head of growth at OnRamp, a company that builds custom technical apprenticeships for clients such as Vanguard, Amazon, and Twitch. Odette has shared custody of her awesome and intense kids who are three and six. She has an Excel for meal planning because of her limited cooking skills, cannot stay on the sidelines during soccer practices, and has been too ambitious in exposing her young kids to live theater. When she doesn't have her hands full as a single mom, she enjoys playing basketball, attending concerts and musicals, recovering on the couch, same, and not having to pack school lunches. Welcome, Odette. Hi, thanks so much for having me. We're happy to have you here. Uh, Up next, we have Madonna Wambua, who is an author, keynote speaker, senior Android engineer, and Google developer expert for Android with over seven years of experience building Android applications. She is also a GDG NYC lead, women tech maker ambassador, and a host of Tech Talks with Madonna, a podcast geared towards supporting women in STEM. Above all, she's a mom to two adorable boys, a second grader and a first grader who keep her very busy. Welcome, Madonna. Thank you very much for having me today. Thank you for being with us. Up next, we have Valerie Regas a DevOps fanatic, accomplished speaker, a Georgia Tech coding bootcamp graduate, and a veteran mommy. She holds a BA in psychology and currently works in developer relations. After years being a stay-at-home mom, she decided to change her life by entering tech and has learned a lot along the way. In addition to DevOps, she enjoys mixed martial arts fighting, very cool, tabletop role-playing games, public speaking, creating tiny humans, and activism of all sorts. Activism of all sorts. Welcome, Valerie. Thanks for having me. And yes, my children do know that if they're at a protest and police come, they should go limp. (laughs) I love that. (laughs) Thanks for being with us. Um, And 
Last but certainly not least, we have Melissa Hong, who is the CEO and owner of OMG Code, a tech company specializing in web and app development. She believes in never giving up, believing in yourself, and following your dreams. She's a single mother of two boys, Sky and Zen. Welcome, Melissa. I'm so happy to be here. Thank you for having me. Um, how exciting. All of you have very different backgrounds. I should also share, because I didn't share in the beginning, that um, I am a single mom to a three-year-old autistic boy who is adorable in all of the ways. And so I'm really excited to be having this conversation with you all. So to get us started, um, can you briefly just share with us, um, and I'll, I'll start with, let's start with Valerie, um, your career journey and how motherhood has impacted it. Absolutely. Yes. So I was, um, as you mentioned, I, I did five years hard time as a stay at home mom. And during that time, I was miserable. I loved the amount of time I got to spend with my children. I have three, I have three, I've got a three-year-old, an eight-year-old and a 13-year-old now. And um, I just, I was just bored and miserable and, you know, it's the hardest job I've ever had. And I used to be a bar bouncer. I would rather get paid to fight drunken frat boys than have to cook and clean and drive and be a psychiatrist and conflict resolution expert and all the things that go into being a stay at home. And um, my husband, who's a technical architect, he realized how miserable I was and said, baby, you know, have you considered going back to school? Cause you know, again, psych degree, I have $85,000 in debt to not be able to make much money. And uh, I did, I went to the coding boot camp at Georgia Tech. Uh, any, anyone listening that wants to reach out on LinkedIn and ask questions about that, I am always there to help with with those answers um, and it was an interesting experience I had to do the night and weekend program for six months because I was still doing the full-time job as a stay-at-home I wrote my first full stack application uh, from a bathroom floor because my then toddler was potty training and that's how life goes um, I my children were my testers for my homework I figure if my seven-year-old could figure it out it's probably intuitive um, yeah, it, it, it was a lot having, um, at the time, two children going through the boot camp. And then after I graduated, I went through that moment of panic of, you know, I've just spent $10,000 of money that my husband made because I, I was under the delusion that I didn't contribute to the household because I didn't get a paycheck. That was crazy pants. If you're a stay at home, you're amazing. Mwah. Revel in how awesome you are. Um, but at the time I was, I was misguided. Uh, and I felt really guilty. Like, what if I can't get a job and I've spent all this money and, 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 and I was afraid that no one would want to hire a mom. I'd, I'd read some unpleasant articles about it. So I, um, I did my first tech talk at a women who code, uh, international women's day event. And I spent my entire time talking about how stay at home parents have a unique skill set that you can only get in that role and how that translates to make us better employees. In different ways. And uh, it, that accomplished a few things. One, I got my first role. I got a, a DevOps internship, which doesn't exist. I, I don't know how I manifested that, but I'm just thankful it happened. Um, spoiler alert, women, women lifting me up and helping me is how I got that. That's why I'm so passionate about helping other women. Um, but it also gave me the bug for speaking. Uh, and I've, you know, in the last five years, I've lost count of how many conferences, meetups, events at which I've spoken. It's, I love the community. I'm all about people. Um, and then I had the unique experience of going through my third pregnancy uh, at my first company. And I, I had never really had to do a lot of the working mom things. You know, with my oldest, I was a single mother. 
it's the hardest job. So kudos. Um, I was a single mom running a family business. So my oldest girl just went to work with me and there's pictures of me teaching judo with this baby in my uniform being held in place by my black belt so that I could yell at students while she nursed, you know? Um, and then with my second, I was a stay at home. So uh, having that third child with, um, th there was no maternity leave technically. I took some short-term disability to get about a month off. Um, so going back to work, sleep deprived as a DevOps engineer responsible for, you know, our builds he, with no sleep, that was neat. Um, having to figure out what a breast pump even was on my third child. I'd what? I've never used what, what this is this contraption. This looks like a torture device. Why would I? Oh, because I have to go to work. Um, you know, it was it was just a whole new world. Um, very eye opening. And yeah, all of that to say, I'm I'm very passionate about parental leave in general as a business case, not as something to make parents feel good. Because while yes, I would have liked more time to hold my sweet, precious little angel baby, uh, I put bugs in the code because people who don't sleep shouldn't be in your code base. And I once walked into my office after pumping with my shirt off because people who don't sleep forget things in other rooms. And it was a black t-shirt on a black chair. And I was very, very tired. Um, and you know, there's, there's definitely a business case for parents need time to recover. <laughs> um, so yeah, that's, uh, working and going through the boot camp and all these things as a mom, it's, it's almost like, you know, boot camps are hard. And so when you have children on top of it, it's like you're drowning and someone hands you a baby at the same time. <laughs> um, it, it, my hat is off to literally any parent who manages to go back to school, get through it, learn, accomplish, move on with their career. It is, children are the best blessing I've ever received and I can't imagine my life without them. They are incredible. They are also time intensive and a lot of work and there's a lot of pressure to do it right because that's the future of our nation and our world. And so it's it's not as simple as, you know, throw down a bowl of food and hope that they're fine. Like, you, you can't just feed them and house them. You have to teach them morals and values and ethics and how to be a good citizen. And that's a lot when you're also going from calling your computer the magic box that holds email to being a full stack developer in six months. Um, it's just a lot. So uh, again, to y'all out there who are parents, you have nothing but my undying respect and admiration because it's it's a whole different journey. Wow, Valerie, we're gonna we're gonna learn more about your journey. There, are, you, you have a very unique perspective. So thank you for sharing, Melissa. I see you um, coming off mute. What you want to share next? Uh yeah. So oh my gosh, I think I, Valerie, I understand you so much <laughs> just because like I went through the same thing where, you know, uh, I went through a coding boot camp, um, coding dojo. And while I was doing that, I was with my first son <laughs> and going through that whole experience. And then even after that, um, pretty much having my second child, you know, a couple of years later. And then I was like, well, I have, well, actually, I so I started off um, actually before everything. I started off in um, medical school and then I decided it wasn't something that I was passionate in. I think I always believe in following you know, what you're passionate in. So I decided to switch over into the coding bootcamp. And when that all kind of occurred, um, 
you know, you just learn to, like, I kind of got thrown into um, the environment because I'm a freelancer and then I started my own company. So in a different perspective, instead of going to the corporate route, what I did was I did the freelance route and I just started remote work with my kids. <laughs> like, that's how it started. Like, I started working, um, nursing them while I'm working, like, you know, while I'm on the computer, like they're literally on my lap while I'm on client calls. So like, <laughs> it's just something that you have to learn. And what you learn from all that is that it's okay to have chaos. <laughs> it's okay to have um, discontinuity and asynchronicity because there's no other way around it when you have kids and you're working from home. Like you have to be able to do work and then take a moment to take care of your children <laughs> and then come back to work. And then, oh, they, ha they have to have breakfast. Oh, they have to, you know, go to the potty. So you have to take them there. And that discontinuity kind of breaks your rhythm in work. And you kind of have to accept that and be like, you know what? I'm going to think of it as a break <laughs> instead of as something negative and something, you know, that is a bad thing but actually see it as like a positive like oh and now I'm gonna take a break for the 16th time today <laughs> you know and then take your moment with your children and then come back um I think that what that's the benefit though of freelancing or you know doing your own company is that you're actually even though you feel like you're away from your children you're actually right there like when you're doing remote work you're like always there so you can almost prioritize work in that way because you're like, okay, my kids are fine. I can now focus on work. And then, you know, just bring them in every once in a while to, you know, of course you have your regular duties, but my work day is like, it starts from like eyes open to eyes closed. So <laughs> whether it's work related to, you know, my clients or my kids, like you just are constantly, you know, on the go, I would say. I'd love to jump in because to hear Valerie and Melissa's stories, um, I actually ended up landing at a job after I had my kids um, to get underrepresented folks and moms and career changers into tech. So to hear the stories um, of Valerie and Melissa juggling um, being moms and completing a boot camp and then landing their first job in tech and transitioning in just makes my heart warm. <laughs> um, for me, the way that, that I landed there, I was actually at the, in the nonprofit space. Um, I was at Girls Inc. for 12 years, working to get low-income girls of color into tech, um, teaching them HTML, you know, over 20 years ago and um, object-oriented programming and all these things that now are the rave, thank God, um, and was really trying to start a family um, with my then wife and really struggling with infertility, which I think is something that isn't talked about enough. Um, so that was, you know, it was really difficult to get to the point of actually being a mom. And then once I was a mom, forget it. That's the real hard part, no? Um, and so I took some time off. Um, I had paid leave and then went back to work. So I was learning, all right, how do I juggle this, right? Like Valerie saying, how do I pump? What is going on here? Um, and it was really challenging. So I lasted about six months and was burnt out in the nonprofit life, um, and decided, okay, I'm gonna take some time off. I wanna have a second kid. Um, and then eventually I'll jump back into work. And I ended up um, that little bit of time of stay at home, the same deal, Valerie, worst, worst hardest job in the world. Um, stay home with your kids without being paid. And I wanted to get back into the workforce um, and then the pandemic hit. So that really messed up my plans. Um, and I ended up getting a divorce during the pandemic. So then I was, 
you know, at home um, with three years off from the nonprofit world, having to figure out how am I going to pay my mortgage in the Bay Area? Um, how am I going to support these two kids? So for me, I felt like my hand was forced, like I need to get into tech um, because this is the way um, that I'm going to be able to provide for my family. So I did, I landed a job, you know, thank God for the network um, at OnRamp um, where, you know, I, I consider it my returnship, right? Taking three years off and then getting back into the workforce um, and transitioning. And now I, you know, am fortunate enough to be able to set up these opportunities for folks myself, you know, for, um, for moms transitioning in for other folks. And it's just, you know, a dream for me to be able to, to give folks these opportunities that are able to triple their salaries and still be able to do mission-driven work um, in the tech industry and to hear stories like this all the time. And, and they're the best employees. For me, it's like, come on, who doesn't want to hire somebody who is a mom that can actually juggle taking care of their kids while working, while doing a boot camp, or taking care of their kids, not getting paid, doing a boot camp. I mean, these are the most skilled, incredible, agile employees you're ever going to want. So um, I'm just really happy uh, to be here and see the examples um, that I hear about every day with you all today. Well, I mean, I think I'm going to jump in and just say, just listening to all the stories, I was just saying, wow. And also, yes. And also go women. And also, oh my God, such great stuff. So for me, it's very similar to Valerie. So I took actually a sabbatical and that's when I got pregnant with my first kid. I decided to stay home. And as a foreigner, it's very different and very tough because I don't have any family members around. So I wasn't able to like leave my kids with anybody that I could trust. So I just had me and my husband and my husband was actually trying to finish his PhD during that time. So it was just us and then my firstborn. And then I first, I got my second, my second kid just like, I think years apart, like one year because they are eight and six. So as you can see, it, it happened very closely. And you're right, Valerie, I really felt like I wasn't contributing. And this is coming from working a very good job, a very stable job. And now I have nothing. And we have to depend on my husband for everything, like for groceries, rent. I mean, everything was on him. And I felt very sad that I wasn't able to do anything. But that did not stop me. And I saw the light at the end of the tunnel. And this is through Women Who Code, actually which is so amazing. I just want to say, this is one of the great things that ever happened to my career, like just being a member of Women Who Code. Because it's through Women Who Code, I got to ignite my passion. And that is through contributing through their online, just contribute this online. So Women Who Code has, a, so I work in Android and Women Who Code has a, a like a mobile lead track and I was able to join that track and start contributing through that and the way I was contributing is just going back finding the content and and just learning what's happening in the ecosystem staying up to date all this time I was not working now when the pandemic happened too you're right I was like oh my god how am I gonna get a job without not I mean I've not been working all these years and now I need to go back to work but guess what it wasn't hard so the contribution I was doing for during Women Who Code, I mean, for Women Who Code really helped me a lot because I was able to be up with my knowledge. And when I went for my in first interview, everybody was asking me, how do you know all the latest content happening in the Android world? Like, how do you know that stuff? And I told them, I just share with other women, who, you know, at the Women Who Code group. And I was hired. <laughs> so that was very nice. And fast forward now, 
I get to travel ever with my kids. I am happy to say that it's been a great journey. I wouldn't trade it for anything. And I mean, I just don't even know what to say. Just to say, being a mom is so awesome. And to moms out there, congrats. It's not easy. Tap yourself at the back. <laughs> Thank you all for sharing um, your unique journeys um, as moms and as technologists. A lot of you um, kind of hinted at what could be coined mom guilt. And so I'd be interested in hearing from um, whoever feels inspired. Um, how do you balance being career driven while also experiencing some mom guilt or feeling like um, maybe you're not spending as much time as you would like with your kids. I'll speak up on this one. Um, when I got my, um, so I, I've been speaking at events for five years and that typically involves travel. Uh, there's only a few in Atlanta each year at which I reliably speak. So, okay. Uh, so I've got the travel aspect uh, of my three children, my center child, the one that we all revolve around, you know, not the middle child, our center child, uh, she does not do well with me being away. <clears throat> uh, so that's, that's been something to deal with, you know, crying, mom, you're leaving for the airport again, you know, um, and then, you know, there's the things like I, I tried to give myself the gift of some mental health help a while back where from six to 9 PM, there was, you know, group therapy dealing with trauma and coping skills and such, because I am a firm believer that every adult and most children should probably have what I call a life consultant, uh, which is what I call therapists in, in business. If we're not subject matter experts, we call in a consultant. Well, guess what? I'm not an expert on my life. I need a consultant. So I, I was giving myself this gift and there was a lot of mob guilt about it because, you know, I'm working all day and then for like an hour and a half, two hours, I'm hanging out with my kids, getting a meal on the table, ready to go. And then I'm up on a call from six to nine and there were tears and why are you always on a call? Uh, so some of the things that I've implemented, uh, one, when you, when you're in DevRel and you travel a lot, you rack up sky miles, like nobody's business. So for example, uh, in February, I was speaking at a conference in the Bay Area, and I took my 13-year-old with me, let her take a full week off school. We went on a cruise to the Bay for Valentine's as a date. She borrowed my dress. It was surreal for me, because um, don't you know, she's still a 10 and a half pound baby, <laughs> not a 13-year-old who can steal my clothes. Um, but, you know, we, we took a week and played in San Francisco, and, you know, the school did not approve of my choices, but I did. Um, you know, things like when I'm at a conference, if I'm at a speaker's dinner and my middle child calls because she really misses me, I step away and I answer the call. And sometimes I ask international strangers to say hello to my eight-year-old to make her feel special and loved across an ocean. Um, you know, when I speak in Atlanta, with very little exception, I keep the big kids out of school. And, you know, I, I once had a school social worker fuss at me and say, their education's important. They should be learning every day. And I'm like, whoa, whoa, whoa. They did learn that day. At 8 a.m., they learned about aspect ratio on slides. Then they learned about AV systems for large events. Then they learned how to set up a lavalier microphone. Then they learned how mommy delivers a keynote. And then they went to several different vendors because the rule was they could only take home useless pieces of plastic from swag tables if they heard a pitch. Uh, so they learned a lot about technology that day. Um, for me, it's from day one, it's been integrating my kids into my life. Uh, one, I don't want to model not having a life making them think that the day that their kid's born, their life ends. That's not sustainable. And that's how adult depression, you know, comes out of nowhere. 
uh, as a single mom, there's pictures of my oldest with cotton balls shoved in her ears and band-aids over to keep them in at my sister's concert because, well, it's an all ages show and and I want to go see my sister's band play and I can nurse the baby to sleep at a bar just as easily as at home. Um, you know, finding a way to safely integrate them into my life as much as possible while still fostering their interests and talents, it's a delicate balance, but it it leads to a situation where the kids don't feel excluded from adult lives. They don't feel like they're losing you to work and you don't feel resentful for giving up things that they haven't asked you to give up. The children never, that's the thing that no one talks about. The children never ask us to give up opportunities. They don't ask us to go without hobbies or interests or time away with friends. We do that to ourselves, assuming it's what they want. My kids don't begrudge me a night out with my friends especially when I take time to cook with them and spend quality time before I go out and then kiss them on the forehead when I get home and say goodnight. It, it doesn't have to be this all or nothing thing. And, you know, when, when my third was born, there was one day I wasn't safe to drive. And I just, I was right by my office for a doctor's appointment with the baby. And I thought, well, if my colleagues can bring their dogs into the office, I can bring my baby because I'm not safe to drive to the daycare across town. And I just had to take him to work and people had to understand. And I find that if you're forceful, it's kind of like when you're walking into a bar underage with a really bad fake ID, you just walk in like you own the place and no one will question it. I find that when it comes to taking my kids to work or, or integrating them into any area of my life, if I just walk in like I own the place and say, what, you mean to tell me you don't think it's normal for kids to be here? Of course it's normal. Most people just accept it. So <laughs> not everyone has to come in like a wrecking ball. It's just worked for me for 40 years. Um, but yeah, that I totally agree with you on that, Valerie, is that I want client calls, um, all day. And I'm like, you know what, if my kids are there and they hear me or you hear them, sorry, like, this is just what's happening. Yeah. That's our <laughs> world. Yeah. Yeah. I'd be interested to see how everyone else balances. But for me, the balance is we do things as a family as much as possible. And sometimes that's me going to the school for career day and volunteering. And sometimes that's them coming to the office on a day that they have off school and coloring on the whiteboard walls and being my rubber duck for the day while I debug. And it just, I integrate me into their lives, them into my life and family comes first. So tell, impart your wisdom, ladies. Yeah, I mean, I, ju I just gonna jump in because what you said is so true to me too, because that's what I've do, I do. And I feel like that's what I've adopted to with my family where we sync so many things together. Like we, so recently we had a talk, IWD, that is International Women's Day. And my kids were there taking a picture of me giving a talk with so many people in the audience. And everybody just walked out to me and said, well, Madonna, you brought your kids to IWD. And my kids right now, they've met so many people they're like, wow, mom, I love your job. <laughs> so I think to me, there's a lot of benefits to that. And like you said, I've managed also to not ever feel any guilt because I feel like my kids are already in depth, like in my workspace, like they know what I do and they know when it's time for mommy to travel to Barcelona. Like recently me, I was in Barcelona and they were like, yeah, mom, you go do it. And right now it's like a family thing. We're like, yeah, mom's going to Barcelona. Yay. So, and then I tell them, we're going to go to our own trip, maybe around summer break. And they're like, yes, mom, that's okay. So to me, I feel like as long as you pull them into what you do, they're very comfortable. And like you said, really, I feel like what you say was so true. Like it shouldn't be us stopping our hobbies because the kids like will not allow that. No, it's just us saying that, hey, how about we include our kids to our hobbies that are more appropriate and let's see how they adjust that. 
And so far that has worked out for us. And most of the time too, when I also leave my kids and my partner, they're always very happy that they got to spend some time with their dad. Like, this is boys time, because it's all boys. They're like, yeah. So they go to restaurants, they go to the rooftop when I'm not around. And when they come back, they're like, mom, we went to the rooftop without you. Like, they're making me like feel bad. But so far, it's been so great. Like, just bring them in, tie them into your work and it, it all works out. That's what I would say. Yeah, and I think being what's helpful in that is just being very clear from day one, you know, with your employer and even while you're in the interview process to make sure that you're going to be putting your kids number one. You know, I don't have a choice, but I have to pick up my kid before five o'clock when daycare closes to be able to be there. Nobody else is going to be there. So I can't take meetings during that time. You know, um, that's just a given. So if you want to be with me, you know, I'm going to tell you no. Um, and you're okay with that. So I think that it, as long as we're clear with our boundaries, um, with our employers, and we're in a supportive space, and they understand what you're carrying, um, I think from day one that that's, you know, uh, T minus however many weeks before while you're interviewing, making sure that that's clear so that you're in a supportive space, um, and can do what you need to do to support your family. And if not, well, they're not going to want to hire you anyway. Um, and you don't want to work there. So I think that that's what helps with the the guilt or their juggling or the feelings, you know, that you have already set your boundaries and that sets you up for success. And also your employers and your teammates too can understand how to work with you. Thank you all. Um, I think what you said, Odette, about um, being upfront with your employers is a really important piece in just setting that standard from, from the very start so that people understand um, where your priorities are is, is very critical um, in continuing to excel in your career. Um, well, the next question I just want to ask, I would just want to hear what you all think about. Um, how has um, your tech career informed how you parent? Kind of a, I don't know if that's a strange question or not, but how has your career journey informed how you parent? I can go fast on this one because I feel like recently we had, um, I actually brought my kids to this event and um, there was a big person there at the event and she got to talk about how she pushed towards having inclusive inclusiveness in like building the watches back in the days. Like um, watches actually, it was so funny that it's not only watches, many things were not designed to be for women. And even like car seats, like, it's so absurd when you think about it. But she told me that she was in that room making sure that the watches that were released were like were very well like made to fit women. And she got to tell my son that. And my son was just saying, wow, really? No. So to me, I found that him learning that so early, like back in the days that people didn't even think about these things. When he grows up and picks a career, he will always have that in mind that it's good to be inclusive based on the fact that this issue is already there and now he knows how to fix it. Especially let's say if he decides to work in tech or not. But as you can see that, I find that to be a nice way to just match the two where like your kids get to learn some stuff. And also I can tell the kids like, hey, look, in the future, if you decide to do tech, you have to make sure that you're inclusive in many ways so that you're not, you're not leaving a certain group of people like just like that. Um, so for me, I think the way that I saw the question is more of like how your career kind of um, 
you know, was able to formulate while you're working with your kids and how that influenced things. And for me, it kind of started from the beginning because I actually founded my company two years ago, OMG Code, um, while I was nursing my first, my second child. And so it kind of is like in my world, like I kind of always had my kids while I was developing, you know, as a freelancer or beginning my company, like they were always there. So in a way, they're always, you know, they're almost inseparable in terms of like um, what kind of impact they had in my freelancing career or so forth and so on. So it's almost like, um, I don't know how it's like before. <laughs> I don't, because it wasn't like that before. It was always with them, always integrated and always in there. And I think it's because of that, I kind of realized like, you know, it's so hard, like the mom guilt, like, do you focus on work or do you focus on your kids? But that's the benefit, I think, from working from home is that you're always home and then you're always, you know, available. And so while you're working, they're going to be there next to you. And I, and I think you also need to separate, be like, hey, it's quality over quantity. You know, um, I always say, oh, what, if mama's going to go on a phone call. What does that mean? And then they say, be quiet. So they understand and they kind of are able to, you know, you know, accept your reality. And then at the same time, after the call, I'm like, okay, let's go get ice cream. So you kind of give that, you know, extra time, like afterwards and be like, I know I worked all this time, but let's now go watch the Super Mario Brothers movie and have that quality. And that quality is so important more than quantity, because I think if you really engage and are able to provide that extra care um, when they want it, or when they, you know, when you're able to give it to like the max, like some other times I've worked really hard and then I'm like let's go to Disneyland <laughs> you know or let's go to this water park and so it's like you have to give and take a bit but you kind of have to find that balance and you know of course it's very difficult as a mother and I'm sure I've heard all your stories like I don't know how to even think about not working from home and like working in a corporate office and then going back and going into taking care of your kids that must be so difficult I don't know but um yeah as me like um I'm a digital nomad I've traveled all around and my kids come with me everywhere I don't have a set location my my the people that work with me they don't have a set location they can work from wherever as well so like I I'm more about giving freedom flexibility and being open and um same with um raising my kids I have them homeschooled they're also with me in that situation. So I'm in a different kind of environment than I think um, some of you girls, but um, I just believe like this model is working so, for, so, for, for me so far. And I'm hoping that it'll keep working. And, you know, and then the influence of the tech is that my son is really into learning scratch right now. And they're just naturally inclined to go in that direction. I give them a little bit of guidance, but then they're just like, I want to do tech <laughs> or I want to learn programming because they see you as, you know, doing it yourself. So they almost is like a positive role model in that situation. So I actually have the exact opposite uh, feeling as you, <laughs> Melissa. So you were talking about how when you work remotely and your kids are home, you have more time. You're just always there. So it's easier to segment work and life. I have the exact opposite. Uh, before the apocalypse, uh, pandemic, whatever, uh, when I was going to an office every day, um, I had a very easy time just cordoning off sections of my life, 
before I leave for the office is family time. And that's, I'm making sure everyone's fed and butts are clean and we're getting out the door on time, woot. And then from the time I landed at the gym downstairs from my office until the end of the day when I leave, that's work time. Other than, you know, I mean, I hate it when people say, don't do anything personal on your work computer. I'm sorry, if I have to send yet another email to a teacher, I'm not opening up a second computer to send a flipping email saying, yes, I'll volunteer in your classroom again. Um, but anyway, you know, other than like the occasional class dojo message or whatever, it's work time. And, and it was very easy to say families dealt with, they're, they're in safe hands for the day, they're at the free government daycare that is public school, yay, and I'm at work. And then when I got home, it was very easy not to, um, you know, turn on my computer again, unless there was a, a fire to put out or some very specific reason to do so, because now we're at, we're at home. This is family time. For me, the pandemic didn't blur those lines. It squashed them and then erased them and then salted the earth. Um, things like, you know, when, when the shutdown started, my youngest was still a nursing infant and our team agreement was to have our camera on during meetings. And the first time someone said, we need you to turn your camera on, I tried to politely decline, but was, no, no, that's a team agreement. Okay, click. Hey, what's up, y'all? Um, you know, and uh, that was neat. Um, and they were very nice about it. And suddenly that was not a team agreement anymore. But, uh, you know, it, it blurred that line in such a way. I mean, it got to where we were, you know, in this house, five of us together 24 seven, but I felt like we had so much less quality time because, you know, my West Coast colleagues that, that, you know, might be more respectful of my working hours when I was going to an office are suddenly cool putting a meeting on. And the number of days I have spent in the last few years at the stove, stirring something with headphones on and my laptop camera on watching me cook during a meeting. Uh, it, I hate it. <laughs> I actually, um, my last role was remote. I'm actually on sabbatical right now. It's surreal. I've had a job since I was 14. Other than that, stay at home when I had 12 jobs, that, that five-year chunk. Um, and so this taking a couple of months for myself feels weird and foreign. But anyway, um, yeah, like I it just, I miss quality time. But uh, in my last role, I was uh, remote, but I paid for a co-working space. I found a women's only co-working space because I find that, uh, it, they're, they're nicer and have better snacks and no one hits on you while you're trying to work. And it's great. Um, <laughs> and, um, yeah, I mean, I, I left my house and paid to go to an office just because I need that separation. I need the, the clearly defined boundaries between work and home or else I'll work 24 and home 24, but neither of them is done well. Yeah. Um, and I just, I, I would like to support your point. Cause I feel like that is so true. And for me too, that's what I'd say to do that. It's very tough when you're working from home and then you're still having to raise your kids and setting that boundary is, is very important. Because to me also, I felt like uh, it was so hard to separate the two because sometimes you'll be tied up with work all the way until it's so evening late and you're like, oh my God, it's time to cook. What time is it? So what I've decided to do is set up like set up timetables that, hey, look, and I know timetables don't work for everybody, but to me, it's very strict, like, if it's five, I'm done with work. I'm not logging in and not doing anything. And that's how we do it now. And then definitely I do want to find a co-working space because I feel like, well, I need to be getting out from, I need to be getting out. However, I feel like working from home really 
enables me to pick my kids on time, drop them to school on time, take them to soccer practice, set them to swim in, which is not an advantage I never had before. So it's it's a gamble. I don't know. It's so tough to decide, but I definitely do want to find a co-working space. So this is me saying my struggles out there. <laughs> As um, a working mom, um, and I think Valerie talked a little bit about this, um, how important is vacation, travel, time away, self-care um, when you're both trying to excel in your career, but also be like that rock star parent? Odette, do you have any thoughts on that? Yeah, it's critical. <laughs> I mean, I I surprisingly now get my um, self-care time because I have 50% custody of my kids. So, you know, I make it a point that when I have my kids, it's 100% intentional in it to win it. You know, I have my boundaries really clear. And then when I don't, you know, that's when I, you know, end up working way longer hours, you know, um, and doing everything I need to do, but also taking care of myself and going uh, to play basketball, going to see shows, going to travel, going to do what I can in my snippet of two days um, there that I can get in. So, yeah, I mean, it's it's weird. It's quite an adjustment from having been a stay-at-home mom 100% with my kids to then 50-50 is like, wait, what? Um, and I sort of feel like I have split personalities a little bit, um, like a single mom with no kids and then 100% single mom, you know, um, in there so there's I have you know it's a blessing and a curse it's difficult to be away from my kids that much um but it's also that time to be able to recharge is is critical for my well-being for my mental health um and for for being excited about being with my kids and being excited about work you know because it can be hard um to be engaged in both of those things so that recharge time um is so important I think you know especially as as women of color, as queer folks, as, you know, any underrepresented people that we're just taught to grind all the time, you know, and we have to, because we haven't had the choice, you know, it's like, I, I've had to hustle. I came to this country at the age of five. I saw my parents, like, how are we going to pay the bills? How are you going to go to the best college? How are we going to do this? You know, to be able to, to be successful in this country and make it. And now it's like, okay, we're here. And now, I, I don't know, I think a lot about going off topic here, but with my kids and their life and their values and that they don't have the same kind of stress that I had. And and as we work in tech, you know, and we don't have the same socioeconomics pressures, you know, um, that our kids don't have the same ones that we had. How do you instill um, those values, you know, in their lives? The values, what we value, right? What we value is hustle and grinding and go get it. and um, of course, there's still kids of color. Of course, they're still gonna have to work harder than than um, other kids in there. But it really makes me think, as a mom, what 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 do I value as a human? And now, as my kids who are more privileged than me, um, what kind of values do I want to instill in them? Um, and what's important? How do they get to risk? And how do they get to be happy and be themselves and not carry the weight of the world on their shoulders? So. I don't know, that was all over the place, but things that I think about um, with with my kids and, and how they get to grow up differently than I do, thank goodness, um, and and how they get to move in the world. And they get, hopefully they'll be able to get to rest um, and enjoy their life and be happy and take vacations. And it won't be 
this thing where they're feeling guilty um, or it's not the norm for them. I don't want to sound like an old person, but sometimes I kind of hate how how easy I've been able to make my children's lives. Like they're not going to appreciate it the way we do. Like what, if we make the world a better place, they won't know true suffering. Now, um, I hope they never know true suffering. Um, but I, I do want to speak to the self-care bit. Uh, I, especially for listeners who hear the phrase self-care and think of like bubble bath or spa day. Uh, I, I would like to give some examples of my favorite self-care. Uh, some of the best self-care I've ever given myself is early in the shutdowns, I started paying someone to come into my home every two weeks and do my deep cleaning. Like I could tidy during the day because I, I don't think people realize, and I had forgotten from before the shutdowns, but when you get up in the morning and get everyone out the door at like 7 a.m. and no one's really in the house except for that hour, and then you're gone all day and you come back and it's only a few hours until bedtime, no one lives in your house, it stays clean. March 16th of 2020, my house fell apart um, <laughs> because suddenly five people lived there all day, every day. Uh, so paying someone, uh, it is a very much a DevOps mentality. What can I automate and, and offload from my list of things to do? Um, Instacart is, is self-care. If I don't have the spoons to put on real pants with not an elastic waist and go to the grocery store and shop, Instacart is a lifesaver because not only is someone else doing that labor for me and I'm helping support my economy, but when I inevitably remember 12 more things after I've checked out, I can still add them. And that's just bonus. Um, you know, things like I don't change my own oil in my car. I pay someone to do that. If you have the privilege of offloading some of your responsibilities, it is a gift to yourself. Um, for me, you know, every time I teach one of my children to do a new chore, that's not gonna be on my list anymore. That is self-care. One, I'm teaching them how to adult so that when they leave my house, they're not 18 and asking someone for help with laundry. But two, it's one less thing on my to-do list. And um, I am in a tangent because we talk a lot about moms and women who code and it's Mother's Day and I get all that. Uh, when I talk about my to-do list, I actually mean our to-do list. I am, I am hashtag blessed. My partner, uh, I, I've heard horror stories about partners that you know, have a stay at home who then goes back to work and they expect that stay at home to now do all of that work plus a full-time job. And I would like the record to reflect, um, it wasn't self-care, it was partner care. But the day I started back to work, I never had to ask for who's responsible for what to change. I never had to ask for equity in, in household responsibilities because I'm now working outside of the home. Uh, my partner stepped up without any mention from me. And suddenly, you know, as a stay at home, there was no self-care because it was everybody else care. You know, if there's a sick kid, I'm awake all night because he has to go put on a suit and go to the office. I can be in my jammies and lounge. So I'll stay up with the sick kid. First time we had a sick kid after I went back to work, I was panicking. And my partner said, Hey, let's look at our meeting schedules and see who it makes more sense to stay home. What? Um, so I, you know, we talk a lot about self-care and I, I feel like that puts the onus on the individual to always take care of themselves. Even if you're a single parent, if you have any friends, family, uh, hobby communities, it, for me, I've done judo for 30 years. I have judo guys that I consider as close to me as my blood relatives, if not closer. Um, self-care doesn't always have to be taking care of yourself. Sometimes self-care is reaching out to a friend or a family member or your partner or a parent or a neighbor and saying, Hey man, I'm drowning. 
I, I could really use blank, whatever it is. Um, I mean, that's, that's well, my, my two cents on self-care. <laughs> I love that you say um, reaching out uh, for support um, because community care is very important as parents, right? Um, I'm a single mom, so I've had to be very creative in what my support sy system looks like. Um, but I have a very strong support system because I was creative. Um, and then when you think about your career, you know, many women report not having support, not having mentorship. Um, and so I'd love to hear, um, and Melissa, maybe you can start for us. Um, how have you built your support system as a mom and as um, a founder? That's a really interesting question because most of the time it's just me, <laughs> to be honest. And um, that's because I choose that. I travel around. I'm usually the only person that's in that specific area that I know. And then it's just my kids. But who is really great are the babysitters and the nannies because if you hire them, now you can have your moment to, you know, go out and just have your moment by yourself or have because you really need if you're a single mother you need a moment away from your children like a considerable like you know hours block span <laughs> because or else you're just around them all the time <laughs> so um if you don't have any support is um when you have to look into like maybe splurging a little and getting like a hotel night for yourself while the nanny or your babysitter takes care of your children because you need some time of self-care because if you don't take care of yourself um no one else will you need to work on yourself first because if you don't take care of yourself you cannot take care of your children you cannot take care of your work you cannot take care of your household because if you're not good then no one else will be good so for that reason I think the focus really needs to be on you have to be a little selfish <laughs> and you have to, you know, take care of yourself first before anyone else or else the whole ship goes down. <laughs> I want to ask, um, we've talked a lot about uh, values and um, just everything that's happened in the world from COVID and things like that. Um, with everything going on in the world, um, there are a lot of trending topics right now with everything going on in the world um what values do you try to instill in your children so that they can handle adversity um in their life i can go with this one i normally tell my kids be kind and be just be kind to other people because people are going through a lot and as you've mentioned there's so many things going around the world right now and it's so sad that people sit on the other side and start attacking people on the internet. So as they continue to grow up, I always try to instill the kindness kind of feeling so that they don't grow to be the people that bully others. So we have like this, is it like a formation thing that we sit in the house and say, don't be a bystander, you know, like speak out if you see anybody bullying the other person, even at school. So for me, I would say kindness. That's the thing that I'm teaching my kids. Be kind to any other person. I like that so much. Um, I'm a strong believer of that. I just think, you know, just love others as, you know, you want to be loved and love is what makes the world go around and all that stuff. So I really strongly align with that. 
I even tell my children, like, you know, I hate fighting. So whenever I see them fighting, I have them stop. And I specifically say, now go and give a hug and a kiss because there is no fighting. I don't want it. <laughs> That's the one thing I get really angry about is when I see other, you know, my kids fighting. So, um, but yeah, I think just showing that even, I even show that to my clients. Like, I'm like, I treat them as, as I would want to be treated. And I think they appreciate that so much. And I'm able to, you know, you know, just offer that to them. And they're so grateful to me and I'm grateful back to them. And they're, if you just show kindness to one another, like so much will get done. There's no like animosity. There's no, like, even if deadlines don't get reached or even if, you know, something else comes up and there's an issue, like if you're just kind to one another, like it'll all work out. <laughs> I think this one's hard for me and I'm trying to figure it out for my kids, honestly, um, because how I've, you know, grown up and survived and thrived in this country. Um, I'm not sure those are the values that I want to, you know, um, instill in my kids. And how do I, you know, raise a, a brown boy and a brown girl um, in this world and um, have them lead with love and empathy and sharing their feelings. And when, you know, my first reaction is like, that's dangerous, you know, um, and trying to to figure out how to get them to be um, open, loving humans that can express themselves and their feelings um, when I know it's not that safe. So just trying to figure out not that safe, not safe. Um, and trying to, you know, to, to raise them differently without the, the, the trauma and the history that I've carried for, um, and that my family has for generations. Um, so I think, you know, I'm learning and as they're younger, right, the, the values and, and what I really want to stress them will be different than, um, when they're preteens and teenagers and adults and different things. Um, so I think that's the biggest thing that, that motherhood is so hard. Um, I need lots of upskilling. I wish there was more training, you know, for us, um, because there's there's no guide to this and there really should be because what what I think is hard now you know when my kids are three and six versus I used to work with teenagers when they're teenagers you better forget it you know um sign me up for the fevers and the tantrums um versus what I'll be dealing with later so I think that it's there's so much humility and so much learning that happens um for us as moms that is really transferable you know that I mess up every single day trying to work with my kids and support them and love them. Um, and I think the biggest piece is, is letting them know that, that we're human as moms, that we mess up all the time, um, and that, that we really build um, intimacy and deeper relationships when we do that. And then we teach them you know, to move in the world by, um, in that way. So I don't know what to tell you about that, but it's hard. Anybody, um, <laughs> I'm, I'm <laughs> if with you have you. answers for me, let me know. I, I'm with you, Odette. I, I mean, I've always valued empathy and, you know, trying to see the world through the perspective of other humans and imagine their lived experience and ask them about it and really learn and stop speaking and listen and all these things. And then, um, you know, I encouraged my, my kids to, you know, lead with empathy and kindness. And it worked really great until my oldest um, came out a year and some change ago as trans. And now, you know, she still wants to go to protest and yell the loudest and she still wants to march. And now I'm afraid, and, but I'm, I'm still teaching her to lead and be compassionate and empathetic. And, 
and she's such an example to me, actually. I uh, recently, uh, she was going to be spending some time with with a relative and and I warned her, look, they're going to misgender you the whole time. And they they don't even hear that they're doing it. But if it bothers you, you don't have to go. I'll come get you the minute you're sick of it, whatever, if you don't feel seen or loved or whatever. And I just looked at her big doughy eyes as she said, I know they love me. They're just old and ignorant. It's okay. Oh, oh, you've been listening. Um, <laughs> yeah, it, it is terrifying. Um, but the values that I try to instill in my children, um, I've tried to model for them. We, we talk a lot about, will this matter in five years, 10 years, 15 years? And there have been times where I'm under deadline and I really should have gotten something done for work, but you know, my, my middle child got her finger slammed in a door and we needed to go to the ER. What's going to matter more in five years? Get, getting that thing written right now versus tomorrow morning or my kid having mom at the ER to hold her while her finger gets sewn back on. Uh, we talk a lot about, you know, there are things in this world that truly matter right now, this minute. And there are things that really don't that other people think matter for you, but you can, you can identify what really matters. And, you know, again, you know, it's terrifying to me to purposefully be not job hunting. And, and I, I keep fighting the urge every day because I know that one, my youngest went into daycare at like a month old. I get to spend a couple months with my three-year-old. What? I've done more color in the last few days than is reasonable for an adult human. Um, and I'm treasuring it because it's novel again. And I'll be so thankful to go back to work when I do, because wow, I've done a lot of coloring. Um, but you know, it, it, I'm trying to model for my children that, you know, in five, 10, 15 years, it won't matter that I took a couple months off work, whatever bills I canceled, whatever, you know, restaurants we don't eat at for a couple of months to conserve money so I can do this, that won't matter. But in 15 years, my youngest is going to look at these pictures of mommy taking him to the zoo during the middle of the week and the aquarium and coloring and meals we cook together. And those memories is what is actually going to matter. You know, I, when I had kids, I was terrified that I'd screw them up. And uh, I'm just going to put this nicely. My mother was a very complicated human being. And I could, I could spend hours listing off all of her pros and her cons, her strengths and her weaknesses. But at the end of the day, she's been gone seven years. And I can list off for you every negative character trait she had and still say with 100% sincerity, I would give anything to have lunch with her. Just lunch. I miss her every day. So to all you moms out there, if you feel like you're messing it up or you don't have all the answers or you've done something wrong or you're not balancing and you're not Pinterest mom or you're not Donna Reed, or you're not perfect, guess what? At the end of the, at the end of your life, all they're going to remember is the good stuff about you and how much they miss you. So take a deep breath and know you're doing it right. You're doing it right. You got this. Uh, I Every time I have that mom guilt sink in and start to think that I'm making all the wrong choices, I remember that I've got three tiny humans who think I'm cool. They love me. They love spending time with me. They think I'm fantastic. And they can tell you all of my faults because I'm real honest about them. And they don't care. And, and so... Oh, so, sorry, Natalie. I wanted to say I love that so much because I've also learned that every time I make a mistake and my kids call it out, I say, oh, I'm sorry about that. So teaching them also to say sorry when I'm wrong, like, look, I'm not the bigger person all the time. I do make a mistake. So that's what I, I instill in them by saying sorry. Yeah, 
like, hey, oh yeah, sorry about that. I know I made a mistake there. And they're like, it's okay, mom. <laughs> Thank you so much, um, everybody, for everything that you shared. Um, I have a final question um, and I'm gonna start with Odette. Um, Odette, will you share your 15 second pro tip for mothers in tech and then also tell us how we can connect with you um, if listeners want to learn more from you about your tech journey or parenthood while in tech. Um, and then uh, we'll, we'll go to Melissa after you. Sure. Set boundaries, um, take care of yourself and be patient and have grace with yourself, I would say. And you can find me on LinkedIn. I'm the only Odette Nemes. So you can just uh, find me there or, or email me at odetteonramp.io. Uh, so tip is believe in yourself. Don't give up and follow your dreams. That's something that I've instilled in everything that I do. Um, but specifically for mothers, it's okay to be in chaos and uncertainty and for you to be able to thrive in it eventually and realize that you can take on anything after that once you're able to do all these things. Um, of course, it'll be a painful process, but in the end, you know, no pain, no gain, I would say. Um, and you can find me, um, I'm on LinkedIn as Melissa Hong, or you can just search for my company, OMG Code, and you can send me a message on my site or anywhere that you find me. Valerie, your 15 second pro tip and where we can find you. Yeah. So um, in, in Western culture, we tell, especially mothers, but parents in general, we, we, we are supposed to be good full-time partners, parents, employees, athletes, chauffeurs, psychiatrists, cooks, housekeepers, alloc you know, resource allocation specialists. We have all these full-time jobs that people tell us to do. Uh, so my, my 15 second advice is every day, wake up and pick two. You can be good at two in any given day. And whichever two you're focusing on that day, let go of the guilt for the rest. No one can have multiple full-time jobs and do them all well. Just pick two. Pick two. Um, if you'd like to find me, I'm on Twitter, at uh, Valerie Regis, and uh, I'm on LinkedIn, always happy to connect. And I do spell my name Valerie, because why? Why would we do it the normal way? Uh, <laughs> I'll never have a, I'll never have a monogram keychain unless I pay special, so. I think I, I bet that leaves me. So I would say nobody has it figured out. So you got this. And also you can find me on LinkedIn, Madonna Wambua, or on Twitter, Madonna underscore Wambua, on Instagram, or you can email me, madonna.wambua at gmail.com. And it was so much fun doing this today with all of you. Super cool. Thank you all so much for having this conversation today, sharing your parenthood journey while in tech. Um, I've been inspired um, by your journeys and I hope that you learn from each other. And I know our listeners are gonna be really, really excited. Um, thank you all for listening. You can join us on Wednesday, May 24th for the Women Who Code Dev Summit, mobile and web. Uh, you can register at the link on the screen. Also, if you want to join or be more involved in the Women Who Code community, go to womenwhocode.com for information on how to join a network, track, um, or track, volunteer, and donate. Remember, you can always follow us on all social media at Women Who Code, including TikTok. Uh, it's been great. Thank you so much for being here.
Thank you for listening to the Women Who Code podcast. To find out more about our mission and the work we do across the tech industry, visit our website, womenwhocode.com. You can also follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Women Who Code. Be sure to check out our YouTube channel with hundreds of hours of free educational videos. Just go to youtube.com backslash women who code. Thanks again for listening. And remember to subscribe, rate, and comment.